Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yo, what is going on? And welcome to another episode of the Urban Pitch Podcast, the beautiful game of life, part of the Believe Network. I'm Ramsey Abushala, editor of urbanpitch.com. And as always, we got the co executive directors of Vibes in the building, Julio Monterosa, Bridget Flores. What's going on, yo? What is up? Another day. Yeah. Another dollar. We're missing the Lakers game for this. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're dedicated. They win. We're, we're really dedicated for, for this out, out, out here. So, um, but it's worth it because we have a very special guest in, in uh, joining us via Zoom uh, for the Portland Thorns. She's a two time NWSL champion, Tegan McGrady in the building. Tegan, what's going on? Hi, nothing. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for, for taking the time to speak with us. Um, of yeah, so, I mean, we mentioned the two time champ. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's, you know, that's a feat in its own, but I want to start before that because winning, the, the winning started bef- like it, it, like you're part of winning programs before you're even a pro, uh, national champion with, with, with Stanford. Um, I'm, I'm going to read a few names here because that roster was, uh, was stacked. You got, uh, Katarina Macario, Tanner Davidson, Andy Sullivan, Kiki Pickett, Alana Cook. That's just, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's, there's more <laughs> on that roster. Uh, the next year y- y'all reloaded with, uh, uh, Sophia Smith and, and Naomi Gurma. So, uh, what what was that like uh, playing at Stanford at such a prestigious program with with all that talent? How did that prepare you to 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 go pro? Um, it was honestly amazing. It was like a professional team within itself. I definitely attribute my years at Stanford to a big reason why I am the player that I am now um, in my pro career. Every day felt like a really hard training there. It was always going up against the best players. Um, constantly just demanding the most from each other. I remember, you know, like my first year there, like Andy was just always, always on us, but for like the best reasons, she knew that we had it in us and, you know, my class in itself, um, you know, always demanded the most out of each other. And I think that's all kind of like really helped today. And that was the case for every class that came in. We knew you know, the legacy that Stanford holds and we weren't going to be the ones to allow that to drop off. Um, so it, it was just an amazing time there. Um, I always look back on those teams and I'm like, wow, like you, you put any of those of us in a team in the NWSL and, you know, we compete also for a championship. That, that 2017 team, if they're in, in the NWSL, what's, what's the record? Are they making the playoffs? Like what, what like how, uh, how do you think they would transfer? Oh, <sighs> I mean, definitely, like, that team itself was really good, but I think it's, like, the players that we've all become today. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe in that moment, that team, you know, does well against some of the NWSL teams, but, like, the players that we've all turned into now, I would I would say have a really good shot at it. I mean, yeah. I, played with, I played with, like, five of my Stanford teammates at Washington Spirit, so, like, it felt like we were coming back together as a team, so it was, it was really cool in that sense to kind of see – how each one of us have grown individually and in the environments that we've all been in since leaving Stanford. Especially having a stacked team like that, did it feel better to, uh, did it, was it easier to play the games opposed to practice or were the games a little harder than that? Um, the games were definitely different, but I would say like because of the trainings and whatnot, it, it made it that much easier on ourselves when we did get to games. It was 
you know, even the players that aren't on that starting team are, you know, pushing us in practice and they easily could have been starters at any other school or anything like that. So when you have that scenario, it only sets you up for success. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get into the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Yeah, and growing up in the Bay Area, um, obviously Palo Alto, not too far away, what was that transition like and what was it like you know, being able to stay close to home like that? Sorry, for what? Uh, to, to be able to stay close to home. Oh, it was amazing. I think, you know, every podcast I, I've been on or I talk to everyone pretty much knows by now I'm, I'm a big homebody. I love being near home. Um, it was one of the reasons that I chose to stay close to home. Um, it was really nice because, you know, my parents were at every single home game that I ever had at Stanford, along with plenty of other family members who had season tickets and you know it allowed my parents to even travel to all of my Pac-12 games all the games that we would go on away trips and it you know it felt like it wasn't just my life but something that like my parents were living through too and that was really you know something that I always want to give them for everything that they've given me growing up so it was really just so nice to play close to home through college especially because you know knowing going into the professional league it's not necessarily the case anymore, you know, like me, you move all the way out to DC after living in San Jose, basically your entire life with your family around and, you know, you miss it. So it, it was really nice to have them and my family members, friends, anyone around in San Jose for as long as I did. Did you feel that um, impact when you went to Washington and you had to experience all of that, you know, maybe not completely on your own, but it was just at a different level. Did, 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 you, feel, yeah. did you feel that impact? Yeah, it was it was really hard leaving. Um, I don't think I had that much time to really grasp what was going on. I, you know, was drafted in January and had to leave by March, um, end of February. So it was a really quick transition. I think it was almost better that way. I didn't have much time to really think about it all too much. But when I did get there, especially with the first season that I had, um, you know, just a massive injury, not being in for most of the year, I had a really tough time. And I really had to dig deep into the person I was and the player I was and, you know, understand that the four years that I just had at Stanford and growing up near home wasn't always going to be the situation in case anymore. And I'm kind of glad that I had that at the beginning of my career. It was, you know, just the start of many adversities that I've had to face now in my professional career. And, you know, I think the quicker that you can get over that adversity and go over that hump, like the better, better off you are for setting yourself up for success later on. So, you know, I love my time in Washington um, and I never probably would have seen myself going to the East Coast if it weren't for that. So I am really grateful for my time there. Mm. 
Yeah, and and speak on that time at, at, at in DC because um, you know there's there's a lot going on, um, especially in that year. Y'all won the the, the championship. Uh, a lot of kind of um, uh, like tumultuous uh, stuff going on with the within the organization. Um, but to kind of rally together and um, you know make a push. I don't think anyone like before the season had the spirit like predicted mm-hmm. to win the, win the championship. Right. And then, you know, that, that, that crazy game against Chicago in the, in, in the final, just, just can, how, how can you summarize that run to, to hoisting the, the trophy that season? I think it all just came down to like, we had a massive team talk one day and it was just, we can only control what we can control. And we can either have a miserable rest of the season after everything that's gone on or we can just play for each other and for ourselves and we can only control what happens, you know, on the field moving forward. How do we set ourselves up for next season for other things? You know, we just have to trust and believe in one another. We have the players to do it. Now it's just up to us. Even if everything else on the outside is going terribly wrong, how do we still make this about us and how do we continue to push through especially when no one else expects us to do so. So it was like, it was almost, you know, like your typical underdog story where you're like, yeah, like no one expects us to do any of what we're doing. And we're like, we have to be here anyways. So if we continue to make it miserable for ourselves, like we're going to end up hating this game. So how can we do this for each other and kind of just like stick it to everyone else and everything else that was going on. And the only way that we know how to do that was to just play. Yeah, and what was that celebration like post uh, post trophy? I was like, what, what, did y'all go out? Uh, was it you know n- you didn't sleep for two weeks? Like, what was what was the, uh, the, the post? It was yeah. I'll just say it was wild for sure. I can. I can tell you that. What, was, what was a team's drink of choice? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely. It was one of those where like, you know, you celebrate other championships before you know national championship whatever but it it doesn't compare to when you finally get into like the big leagues and you're like this is what teams work for for years like you have some of the best players in the world that will never win a championship and i think that's like where you have to just think about it and put yourself into perspective like everything that we went through in the first place and then to win it was like now we have the right to go and do what we want to for you know as long as we want to until next season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, so you go from, from Washington to, to San Diego, um, mm-hmm. have, you know, a, a really, you know, uh, a promising start to that season. Uh, you're, you're playing a lot, you're contributing, uh, the team is doing well. Um, and then you get traded, um, midway through the season to, to Portland. What was that, what was that, uh, experience like? And, um, how, how did you find out that you were getting uh, traded? Um, Mentally, it was it was probably one of the hardest times I've ever been through in my career. I think it was I was feeling everything at once. I was so happy that a team like Portland really wanted me like that in itself. You can't even like, you know, the fact that they were putting their, you know, like trust into me as a player to come and be here and be seen as something else was something that once again, I'll be forever grateful for, but then it was also like so hard to grapple with the idea that another team didn't want what I had to offer. And so you struggle with like that inner self of being like, I'm wanted, but I'm also not wanted at the same time, especially when you start off a season so well and you are playing and then it kind of just is like comes out of nowhere and you're like, I don't, it makes you really question like yourself. And I questioned myself for a long time 
probably even until after the season was over. Like it took me a long time to process it, but Portland gave me that space to do so. And I think that's like one thing that you never really under like truly understand as a player until you go through it is like out of season trades are hard, but in season trades are even harder. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, talk with so many people and there are so many times that I'd feel guilty for feeling the way that I did that. I was like, there's a club here that is so happy to have me. Why am I not that happy? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I talked to people about it and it was really nice that Portland was, you know, once again, you know, all my teammates and everything saying like, you have a right to feel that way. And I think that's one thing that I've, you know, learned to talk about is like not being shy about like knowing that I struggled mentally after that. Um, but coming into an environment that also gave me confidence at the same time was really uplifting. So I, I think it was just one of those things where you're happy, but it also was so hard to leave behind a life that I was, you know, really happy with off the field and to try and figure that out all over again after I'd had a cup, couple of rough years was, you know, really hard. And it was just one of those things where it's like, it, how, how much more of this am I going to have to go through? Like, I finally am having a great season. I'm not injured. I'm not, you know, doing these things. And then you get traded and it, it makes you question a lot about yourself, your job, what you want to do moving forward. Because when you, you know, the only reason that I probably continued was I knew that I felt valued in Portland. And at the end of the season, honestly, if Portland didn't show that they valued me, I can maybe honestly say that I wouldn't be playing anymore. It's, it's so hard. It gets to that point where you're like, is this how I want to continue to live life? I've given up so much and I sacrificed so much for this job, but like how much am I really willing to do that for? So I'm really happy that I made the decision obviously to keep playing, to keep doing, but I think that's like something that I'm way more open with now because I realize that if you constantly keep those things bottled up, it's just, it's going to overflow one day and it really might push you to your breaking point. So, you know, I'm super open about all of my trades, everything that's, you know, gone down and I'm super happy with the spot I'm at now, but yeah, it was, I'm not going to lie. It was, it was really tough in that moment. And I feel like what you're sharing right now is it's so important to like highlight and elevate because these are the things that a lot of, you know, players right now that are trying to make it to the pro spaces don't think of, right? Like these are the mental and the emotional tolls that you have to take in as a pro player that people don't necessarily prepare you for. And I feel like what you went through was something that you went through and it's built you to be the player that you are now. But I don't, I don't know. And this is just me saying from like what, what you've been sharing, like there wasn't really anyone who could have prepared you for that kind of like experience. And I feel like your story right now is going to be able to like prepare, you know, like the youth now and like the, the student athletes now and the ones that are trying to make a pro to, to recognize like it's all fun and games, but there's also this like emotional mental toll that takes a big part of the process and the journey for you. Once you made it into, you know, like processing all of that and going into Portland, and then you, you know, you and the team winning that, that championship, what was that like? And do you feel like if they wouldn't have, if you all wouldn't have won, do you feel like it would have been a different experience, like all, all around? Yeah, that's like a really interesting question that I don't think I've really gotten ever since winning with Portland. I, 
you know, it very much well could have changed how I felt at the end of the season. I mean, winning, winning makes everything feel better, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it makes the, the hard days seem that much easier when it means that you get to win at the end of the year. But I, I can truly say that after, you know, looking back on last season, even if we wouldn't have ended with a win, I would still be grateful for once again, just a club and a team that, fully stood behind me as soon as I got there, which is not always the case when players go certain places. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, truly happy about that. It's the winning definitely <laughs> makes it that much sweeter. Um, but I don't think I would look back and be like, yeah, that's not, of course, everyone wants one at the end of the year, but to even get to the point, you know, that I did, it was really, really special. And I would have stood behind any of those players last year even if we didn't win and I would say that this is still a very special team and was a very special team last year and you know they are a big reason why I chose to keep playing mm -hmm. yeah and and back to what Bridget was saying uh, she mentioned you know it's, it's important for players to kind of um, get exposed to some of the the rigors the mental rigors that go with being, being a pro athlete but I think for fans as well it's it's also um, important too because like all, all of us are fans. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a huge sports fan. Like I wouldn't be here if I wasn't. But it's easy for me to be like, oh my god, like this dude's a bum. This girl's a bum. Like what, what's going on? Like you know, like it's so easy to be critical um, to athletes, and, it, and it's really hard to um, understand. You know that there's other stuff off the field that's going on. You know, do you think? Yeah. You know, oh, she's so lucky she gets to play soccer for a living. Um, and, you know, you get the whole adage that, you know, everyone thinks that athletes are robots, but there's obviously so much more that's, that's mm -hmm. going into that. But I think that whole attitude is starting to change a little bit with more players getting platforms to kind of speak up for themselves. Um, but was there any, like, kind of uh, help that, that you received or uh, advice from other players who might have gone through similar situations? I know that you said, you know, some of your teammates were uh, kind of like kind of validating that, that you were, you had, like you were okay. It was okay to feel how you were feeling, but like, yeah. w w was there any advice from, from other veterans in, in the league to kind of um, help with that uh, transitional phase? Yeah, I guess like the best advice that I received from, um, from teammates and coaches and whatnot was just like, like I said, just like the validation of them, being able to tell me like you're allowed to feel like what you want to feel and all your feelings right now are very valid like and I think that's one of the biggest things is like when you can be told that what you're feeling is valid no matter what it is like it's a hard transition and doing so was really nice like um our sports the sports psych at San Diego you know, they still offered for me to be able to talk to her through the rest mm -hmm. of the season, which was, you know, so nice. I, you know, had this close relationship with her when I was in San Diego, talked to her all the time. She was always around. And so for them to, to say, you know, as a part of what we want to do, we will allow you to continue to, you know, keep up with her through the rest of the year to make sure that you are in the best place to finish off a season, especially with such, you know, a hard road ahead and you know so that was something that I also really appreciated because I think you know especially when you start talking to sports psychs and people you know just stopping is really hard and it puts you in a bad place so I think just everyone giving me these avenues of being like 
we're here for you, whether it's, you know, to talk, whether it's, you know, shoulder to cry on, whether it's, you know, you're mad and you just want to vent, like we're here for that and we'll continue to be that for you. And so I think just those avenues are what really helped me. And it's one of those things where I don't think that anyone really tried to give me concrete advice because there's not much that you can really say to someone in that position. It's more or less just you want, like they want to know that you're just there for you. So for me, knowing that they were just there for me was really nice because, you know, there were some days where I didn't necessarily want advice. It was more just like, I just need someone to hear me um, because this has been a really hard transition. So I think sometimes, you know, the best advice is just listening to someone and that's exactly what they gave me last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but going back to, to winning the championship, like, like, what like, obviously there's a lot of things that, that went into the, the, the run up to, to the champion, uh, to NWSL playoffs and, and, and all that. But how, like, how wild was it that, you know, like so many things changed, so many circumstances changed. If you would have stayed in San Diego, who knows what would have happened, what would have happened. Like they had a great, like my, that my money was on San Diego going into the playoffs last year. Um, but moving to Portland and winning a championship with them, like what was going through your head, like winning a, a, a title in back-to-back years like that? Um, I guess it was just, sorry, can you repeat the question? I just want to make sure. Yeah, the... No, no. Just what was going through your head winning the second title, like after everything that, that went down and, and, and like, uh, uh, changing situations and then, you know, getting a chance to, to play for a second straight, uh, uh yeah. championship. Um, I mean, it felt amazing, but I, I also, you know, it's one of those things where like, it's, it's hard going into that situation because, you know, that Portland had built this team from the beginning of the season. So you don't just want to like come in and be like, yeah, like (laughs) all me, like, like, no, like a lot of the times, like I, especially during the celebration, I would just be like admiring everyone else because I could only imagine what they have gone through, through the whole year and the years before and everything that's been coming out. So like, I know that they didn't have an easy year either. So it was almost just like, I almost felt like, of course I was on the team, but I almost felt like I was admiring them kind of like a fan would, Mm -hmm. you know, and that like outside perspective where, I was really happy to be there and on the team with them. And I, you know, was happy that we obviously got the win and that I was going to be a champion. But a lot of people asked me like, how does it feel being like back-to-back champions? And I was like, it doesn't necessarily feel like back-to-back for me just because it was with two very different teams, two very different things that happened. And as much as it was a back-to-back, it was one of those where, you know, the year before I was very much involved in you know, the team and the win. And last year was kind of like, like I'm watching this team do it. Of course I'm contributing, but I'm also like getting to admire like how much hard work is going in around me and how like thankful I am for this team who has brought me in while just trying to celebrate them and everything that they did. Because at one point in the season, they were, you know, my enemy. So it was one of those (laughs) weird situations where you're like, at one point I didn't want them to win. I didn't even want Mm. them to win. I wanted them to lose every game. Like in this position where I'm like, I, you know, want this team to do amazing. So it was just like a very interesting situation, but definitely one that like I 
was so happy. I just got to sit back and watch like a lot of those players just be so happy about it as I was. Yeah, you were definitely taken through a whole roller coaster of emotions there, <laughs> going from one team to another to a whole nother, and yeah. then the uniqueness of winning two back to back championships. But now, okay, so like post championship, you're with Portland. What has it been for you building that team dynamic with them? Um, you know, what brings you all together? What have you enjoyed about building that relationship? Being able to start it from the very beginning, like preseason with the team. Yeah, I just feel not like I didn't have one last year, but I just feel like I have like a place on the team now. Like I mm -hmm. feel like I'm not missing everything. Right. I missed a preseason with them last year, like going through preseason and going through, you know, all these moments with them of like building like your core values of the team and like building, you know, just this team like bonding situation. You know, it's not like every team goes through it every year. So to be able to be a part of it this year, it helps me just understand people so much more where last year, I just feel like I was trying to like catch up with people mm -hmm. and like understand who they were. But now I get like that full picture and that full idea. And I get to see them as like, you know, they're themselves, not just on the field, but off the field where like last year, I felt like I was just like trying to stay afloat and like right. trying to get to know people. But like, you know, once you get into season, you're like, once you're in the swing of things, like it's hard to just catch up with people outside. Like people are tired. People want their time and space. So being in a preseason with team is like super important and makes you feel all much that more part of the team when you are there. So I think doing that this year with them was something that I really loved. It was getting to know, even though I knew them at the end of last year, like it was getting to know all of my teammates on a different level than I was allowed to last year. So, um, yeah, I think we've been doing great with it. You know, just always, you know, a, a rocky start to just the organization and whatnot. And I think we've been trying to find our way through that and we've hit kind of, a rocky area right now with just playing wise and everything so it's like getting in and out of these ups and downs is something that I didn't necessarily really see last year so I you know it, it's been really nice to actually be able to understand it and mm -hmm. understand people and understand situations that much more than kind of just being like oh, I'm a little confused like yeah. Where I <laughs> yeah but how is it like all right so most people say it's difficult to go back to back for the simple reason that once you get in that high Going starting from the season, going back to aiming for that championship. How hard is it going back to back, figuring out how to get a second championship, and how mentally draining is it? It's it's really hard. I think there's a big reason why a lot of teams don't go back to back. It's it, uh, it's really hard because you you've gotten to like you said this really high of a high place, and you want to continue with that. And I think you obviously can't stay at that high of a high place all the time. And so it's like, how do you start a new season coming off that high and know that you're going to hit your lows? And how do we get out of that now? Because teams change every year. We're fortunate team to be almost completely the same as last year, which doesn't happen a lot of the times, but it's definitely one of those things where we have to learn how to do that all over again, especially with other teams changing you. Tactics change, all these things change. So it's understanding each other, understanding that when we do hit a low, 
that we have to tap back into that championship mentality of like, how do we get back to that spot? How do we get back to it? And I think it's almost like you're competing with yourself in that sense more than you are with other teams at the time. You're like, dang, we were so good last year. Like, how do we get back to that? And you almost can't even like think about it. You're like, we can't be the same that we were last year. We have to tap into a different side of us in order to continue to grow and be better. You can't just be as good as you are last year because teams are going to come in being better than they were last year. So how do we, even though we won at the end of the season, how do we come in and figure out a way to be better, even though we were at the top last year? Because, you know, when teams do lose, they're like, ah, we could have done this differently. We could have done that. But when you're the winning team at the end of the year, you come in and you're like, so what do we change? Do we want to change it? Because that's what worked for us before. But we need to. We need to find a way to be better. And I think that's a really hard thing mm-hmm. to do. And I think you can honestly only do that when lows come. Like we had a really hot start to the season. We're hitting a low right now, but we need that in order to continue to grow again. And you're not going to get any better unless you, you know, have some sort of dip in your season and come back up on the other end. Yeah, that's such a, I think that's such a real aspect to it that like as a fan or as like an outsider, like you don't really think about because there really isn't an answer to that, right? Like, especially from the very beginning. Um, for you all in the pre, you've mentioned how it's important to build those relationships and dy- dynamics during the preseason. Is there any like rituals or routines or things that you do as a team that like helps, you know, strengthen that team dynamic? I think every team is a little bit different. I actually think, you know, our team, we went to Bend, we had different like team exercises that we do all these things. But I actually think one of our greatest strengths is the fact that we all are, or not all of us, but we have very experienced and established players on the team. So sometimes like the best team bonding, this is going to sound really weird. Sometimes the best team bonding is just taking a break from one one another. Mm. (laughs) You have to like regroup and refresh and do all the things that you need to. And so you kind of have your, you know, your ways that you do that. And that's understanding one another and what one another needs. It's like, okay, like this person is feeling this way. So like, we need to give them their space or like, we need to do this for them. So it's how we pick up each other on like the rough days versus like, okay, Like, how do we get the energy going when maybe the biggest energy giver of the group isn't having a great day? So it's one of those, like, we have to constantly understand one another, play off one another, and who we are as people. So I think there's not, like, anything concrete that we honestly really did, like, in terms of team bonding, except for when we were in Bend and in preseason camp, other than just, like, knowing what one another needs and, like, we're not afraid to ask it from each other when we do need it, which I think is like a very unique situation to get that comfortable with each other Mm -hmm. to be able to tell people, I need this, I need that. And we feel comfortable doing that with each other. Mm -hmm. So y'all weren't doing like karaoke or or, or none of that? (laughs) We did an escape room at the beginning of the And we did it like, obviously not all of us in one. There was like four teams and it was like a competition. And like the coaches did one and I was like, who could get through their escape room the fastest? So that was really fun. <laughs> Did your team win? My team came in second. Okay. <laughs> but we were we were close. It was it was a little bit harder just because like each room, because there's only so many rooms at a place, you could only like so some people got like a way harder room than like mm-hmm. another team or something. But 
no, it, it was really fun. It was a fun day. So everyone was really happy about that. There was a day where we got a day off during, you know, camp. And so a couple of us went to a coffee shop and read books at like a bookshop there, but we got to go into like downtown Bend and some people went to a candy store with each other. And so it just was one of those things where it was like one, you know, one day off, you get to decide what you want to do. And then like, there was another day that was that. And then of course we'd have, you know, meetings and different things like values that we were trying to put together. But overall that was, you know, the escape room was our, our fun time. <laughs> yeah. You can't ever go wrong with an escape room. <laughs> what? You can't ever go wrong with an escape room. No, I love escape rooms. I do them all the time. So <laughs> it's really <laughs> fun to, like, it's really funny to do escape rooms and like, you can kind of like see people's like thought process. Right. And, like, you like you automatically know when someone does escape rooms because it's just like a different out of the box type thinking. I remember the first time I did one with my boyfriend and his family, and they did them all the time. And I literally would just like I watched them the first time, and I was like, <laughs> I don't. How did you even think to do that? Started doing more and more with him, and now I'm like, you know, we go into an escape room and we're finishing it in like 30, 40 minutes, just the two of us on like a difficult one. So I'm like, it really is just like a different type of thinking. So to see all my teammates like thinking in a certain way and everyone knew that I had done multiple before they're like <laughs> oh like you're just gonna be like watching us like wondering like what are you doing and like, it's just a hard thing if you've never done an escape room you're like go in there and you're like I don't even know where to begin like mm -hmm. this isn't easy so yeah yeah I <laughs> yeah I really test you as a person I would love to go to an escape room with these two to see how how it goes with them because I, I've never been in one but I just know that I'm gonna get so frustrated yeah, with, with, no with you guys has like, no patience <laughs> he barely has patience too they both get frustrated yeah <laughs> then then it would all fall on me that's as not, always okay. no, 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 just no, like no. these podcasts i'm always carrying the tea no it, so i would carry the escape room process I, I, as well i wouldn't do an escape room but i would escape these two for like a long three months <laughs> that would be a dream of mine yeah <laughs> escape rooms are definitely they like it was uh when me and my boyfriend did our first one i was like this is a real relationship test yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like oh gosh i don't know how this is gonna go but it was fine but it was one of those where i was like this this really puts like friendships and relationships to the test. Uh -huh. It brings the red flags to the front. Uh, <laughs> it so, really does. So like you can you can see them like there's there's no filter. Uh, so so it's a good way to uh, to kind of to get those out out of the way and, and see like is this yeah. a person is that I really want to be spending time with? <laughs> My next first date escape room. Yeah, I yeah. got it. Yeah, there you go. It really it really tests everything, but. I love it. <laughs> If you guys do one, let me know. I'd love to know how it goes. Yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. That'll we'll, be the next, our next like video out, off we'll, the pitch segment. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll do a, we'll do a remote segment. Yeah. Uh, at, at an escape room. We'll, if we'll, we'll if you see it. no more videos being released, just know how bad it went. We, brought, we all just we cut it off. <laughs> <laughs> or we could even have you grade like uh, our, our thinking, like we like ask an expert type type deal where uh, you pop in and you criticize, you know, what we did wrong. Uh, so that way the next time it, it'll be like game tape so we'll be we'll be diagnosing you know what we got to do better next uh next time yeah, yeah. <laughs> um 
so so back to back to on the pitch yeah, um, before yeah no 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 uh, so we're gonna get back off because a lot of what we do is uh, you know we cover uh, the off pitch stuff but I wanted to talk about some of the young players that are coming up in uh, across the NWSL you obviously play one uh, play with one uh, in, in Olivia Moultrie who kind of kind of started spearheaded that charge but now I mean across the league you're seeing you know Alyssa Thompson with Angel City uh, Melanie Barcenas who just made her debut with with, with San Diego um, you know even even someone like Trinity Rodman who I think I saw somewhere that uh, she was up for like the Budweiser player of the week but she's yeah. too young she, they had to take her off it oh, because she was no too way. young like to, to be the Budweiser like <laughs> so like what 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 is uh, your take on all the the, the kind of young talent that's uh, popping up across across the league yeah I think I think it's great I think if you know the the young talent can can handle the NWSL then I don't see why not like it makes it makes sense to me I think that's a way that we can grow this game in this country and it makes it that much more exciting to know that you know like there's 15 year olds playing with us on the field <laughs> um, it's really funny so Mel uh, Mel B so we called her uh, was actually training with us last year in San Diego when I was still there and just like hear her days and like <laughs> you know like hear about school or like That's hear hilarious. about her like to hear about her lifestyle was just like it it just brought you back you're like wow I'm getting so many flashbacks right now you know I haven't been in you know 15 and like 10 years whatever you're like oh wow like the like your lifestyle is just so different I know (laughs) and to be like to be able to surround yourself by so many amazing players but also like so many mature players so many players that have like established lives off the field is like a whole thing within itself. I remember I'm, I remember being one of the youngest at Washington Spirit. I wasn't obviously 15 young. I was 21, but mm-hmm. you know, you you get the oldest players on the team that are like, "Oh gosh, like we got a 21-year-old coming in here. Like what is this?" And so it's really funny being on like the other end of that now and being like, "Oh my gosh, like I don't I just like tell me about your day. Like what do you do?" Like <laughs> because <laughs> this is different for me. Like, Mm -hmm. so I think it's, it's a different dynamic, but it's really exciting to see that there's players at that level that do have the talent and quality to be, you know, out there with, you know, so many players that have so much experience um, in this league. So I think it's, I think it's great. Did she teach you any TikTok dances? <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> hey, no. can you perform it? She, she kept you young. <laughs> no, I kind of like, I haven't done any with the players in the league, but I, yeah, it's always so funny because I have a, you know, 16-year-old cousin. So I was with her in LA one time we're at Disneyland and she was like, let's do a TikTok dance. And I'm like, oh God, like, <laughs> oh, <no>. pressure. <laughs> this isn't going to be great so it's it's funny watching like the younger generations obviously like go through that and I wish I would you know do more of that but I'm I'm not much one for in front of the camera dancing (laughs) so what's it like like what kind of mindset do you have to take on when you know you're playing um mainly like against someone that is younger or that is 15 like what for you in your position what what mindset do you take on knowing that I think it's more just like making sure that you don't underestimate them. Like, even though they're younger, like their skill is great. Their, Mm -hmm. you know, passing ability is also great. So it's like making sure that you remember, even though you're growing up against a 15 year old, like they're obviously just as good as everyone Mm -hmm. else in this league. So you have to play against them, you know, like they are 
the older players of this league. And, you know, I think a lot of them are super crafty. So it's just making sure that like you're staying mentally like checked in and like understanding that they might pull out something that you Mm -hmm. don't ever really see because they do have the confidence on the ball. So it's making sure that I think that's like the biggest thing is just like not underestimating them for what they are just because they're 15. Like they'll put the moves on you. They'll leave you in the dust and you got to make sure that like, you understand that. So it's just, that's a, a massive thing, I would say. Yeah. Especially as a defender, is there any like kind of in- intimidation that goes into that where you, you kind of got to show them like, you know, this is the pros, like, you know, <laughs> just go a little extra hard on a shoulder, on a shoulder check or, or, or what? <laughs> I mean, yeah, if it, if it comes up that way, then like, mm-hmm. yes, but I think that's just like part of the game. Like whether you're 15 year old or whether you're, you know, one of the oldest players in the league, like as a defender, I'm going to show you what's up if I need to. So I think it's like about that, like no matter how old, how young, who they are, it's, I think that's like a big part about defending too, is like knowing who you're going up against and like knowing their tendencies, knowing, you know, are they going to cut in? Are they going to go end line? Are they really fancy on the ball? Are they going to be more of like a speed on, you know, just speedy on the ball. So it's Mm -hmm. really, you know, anyone that you go against, is just not underestimating them knowing, that anything could happen at any time. You're like, I will toss you. (laughs) 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 And you have to show them, you have to show them, you know, that's how they learn too, right? It's through that process. Yeah, it's definitely a process. I mean, it's a process for everyone. I think one of our favorite things that we like to say is like this league, a lot of the time is like baptized by fire. Like you just get thrown in and you have no other way of figuring it out besides just learning for yourself and experiencing Mm -hmm. it. You can be told, you know, all the different things that you want, you can be coached, but you're never going to understand really until you just get in there and you do it, whether that's making a mistake or doing great, it's, it's going to happen to you at one point or another. And that's like the biggest way to get ready for those types of games is just to do it. Mm -hmm. What was that? What was that baptized by fire moment for you? What was my baptized by fire moment? Oh, I feel like there's just like, I feel like that's like an every season type thing. It's like, oh, Mm. like I've taken (laughs) off a couple months and like it's time to play against like the top boards in the world. Okay. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I mean, last year in one of the first games in the Challenge Cup when I was still in San Diego and it they still play this replay at the stadium in Portland. <laughs> Weaver just absolutely cuts me up and sauces me. And they still show it as a highlight. And I'm like, I don't know what you guys do. <laughs> That's me. Do you not realize I am the one in that San Diego jersey? Like, can we stop? And I'm like, and every time it comes up, we just looks at me and I'm like, damn, you really did me dirty there. And I'm like, that was like a big moment for me where I was like, dang, I better get it together. Or else like this spot is not going to be mine pretty soon. So. Yeah. I think it kind of happens over here, but yeah, that one, they always, they always, you got to talk to somebody in the media department. I have, I'm like, dang guys, like this was like, <laughs> you don't have any more clips from this year that you can just trade that one out with. Like <laughs> run straight past me. <laughs> or you can get even in practice. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> I know. I'm like, <laughs> I know it just, yeah, it's yeah. I think that's like a big thing too in this league is like as a defender, you want to win every 1v1, but, like, you know the amount of skill and the amount of speed that you're going up against. Um, so, you know, you're not you're not always going to win those mm-hmm. battles, but it's, mm-hmm. like, how how you do with them, how you learn from them. So, yeah. yeah. Who's your top three in terms of, um, you know, 
opponents that uh, like y- y- you gotta kind of mentally prepare, prepare. <laughs> a little bit more for uh, across the league. Oof. Like specifically that I go up against. Yeah, or that you have in the past, or just just when when you know you see somebody coming up on the schedule, like someone that you know, you have to be extra prepared for. I think. Um, hmm. I mean, there's so many good players, but I mean, before there was always like if Lynn was coming like back when she was at North Carolina, like going up against her, our coach would be like, just watch for the long touch. And like, she's going to just run past you. And you're like, okay, how am I supposed to get ready for this? Because <laughs> he's probably just like you said, just going to run straight past me. So that's like always the speedy players. Cause you're like, you know, there's, you can, not much you can do. You can take them out or you can really hope that your positioning is great or they have a bad touch that you can get on the end of. Um, so that's definitely like the speedy players are always hard to go up against. And then you just have like, I think one of the hardest things to defend in the NWSL for sure is like dynamic midfielders. So like Dabinia running through pockets mm-hmm. is ridiculously hard yeah. to defend because you're not only worried about forwards, you know, have Dabinia running full speed through your back line, hoping, just praying that she's offsides. <laughs> you're like, oh no, or just like getting the ball and just opening up so much space. And you're like, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do with this. So it's like the really dynamic players and speedy players that, that catch you off guard real quick. Mm. Yeah. Um, the is there anything ones. y'all wanted to get into before we take things off the pitch a little bit? Um, no, I think we're good. All right, cool. Yeah, so so going back off off the pitch, um, now that you've been in Portland for for a year, um, I've or like a longer yeah. than you know, uh, a, a more couple, than a few months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you had time to settle in. You know, I was I was doing a little research and seeing that you know you, you love your coffee. Uh, I know Portland is kind of known for having a lot of really cool uh, coffee, coffee shops. shops. Uh, is, ha- have you found your spot? Is there a daily spot that you go to or is it you're trying new places here and there? I lately have been trying different places. Um, there's always, I mean, there's so many that I go to now. <laughs> it really just depends on the day. A lot of it kind of depends on where I'm walking Gus at um, and like the nearest mm. coffee shop to wherever I'm walking him or taking him to a dog park is kind of like the one that I'll stick with. Um, but I mean, I've been to so many lately. I live like really close to good coffee, which is one of my favorites. I have Q coffee. I have ovation dragonfly case study. Like they're all within blocks of me. So I never really just continue to go to one because I have so many. So I get to switch it up all the time, which I really like. I enjoy Mm -hmm. it. So yeah. Yeah. I, I love that the coffee shops in Portland have like such like, really cool names too, like case study Mm -hmm. dragonfly have you had a chance to visit barista yes yes so (gasps) what are your thoughts what are your thoughts because i i went there when i when i visited portland and i Mm -hmm. absolutely loved it yeah so i actually walked to i was walking i walked to barista the other day with one of my one of my teammates i love it it's one of my favorite around here um so i live really close to it so it's nice i i do really like it a lot so Yes, it's a great one. Yes, my goal is to go back to Portland and go back to Barista because I honestly fell in love with it. That's your goal? Yeah, that's <laughs> my goal. People like, have honestly. other goals than hers, just coffee. <laughs> coffee is just so such a barista big thing. Is great. Yeah, it is great. Mm-hmm. I'm so sick of Starbucks. Like, yeah. <laughs> I want some. I, I miss Barista. Literally- 
I have not touched a Starbucks in I got back here in January since before then when I was yeah. home in San Jose. It was like the last time I've had Starbucks or I think it was like when I was on my trip. I was coming back from Hawaii right before I came back here. And I think that was the last time I've had Starbucks. And it's now like Jan what? It's now <laughs> May and I haven't had it since before January. I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm so jealous. I'm so sick of Starbucks. <laughs> Blue bottle. Blue bottle. If you're gonna go out you gotta go to Blue Bottle here. Yeah, yeah. Blue Bottle, Blue Bottle starting to. to but that's to pop the up. thing about LA. Like, there's like there's only like pockets where you'll find like really good coffee shops, and if not, then all you see around the corner is Starbucks. At, whereas like Portland, like there's options that you can walk. There's to. so many options. Yeah, I do have two Starbucks like right near me, but I don't ever feel the need to, and there's yeah. so many others around me. So, yeah, that makes sense. What about um, Powell's Bookstore? Have you been there? I have not too much though. I'm not as big of a reader. I'll okay. read I'm like one of those where I'm like, I'm a binge reader. So I'll find a series. I'll read it in like a week. And then I take like six months off from reading. Yeah. So <laughs> I tend to do that. I get really into like a series and then I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm done reading for a little bit. Take off my six months and binge watch everything on every streaming site you can <laughs> think of. That makes sense. <laughs> So that's, yeah, that's more me. I don't really go to Powell's all that often, but one of my teammates is like an avid book reader. Like I, yeah. I think she read like five books in like two weeks. So I wow. was like, she just, she skirt, skirts through them. So that's awesome. And so, so another thing we cover a lot is, is music and growing up in the Bay, obviously the Bay has its own, you know, its own super, Culture. you know, unique music scene To It's one of the last like regional sounds Definitely. left in, in the, in the U S. So what was that like growing up in, in the Bay and, and what, what, what were some of the music artists? What are your favorite Bay area slaps? Yeah. The slaps. <laughs> oh, the slaps. Definitely Thistle Dance, like that yeah. one. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's yeah. like one of my favorite. Like you, I don't really pull it out only when I'm in the Bay Area. It's like, <laughs> like everyone just looks at you weird if you're like doing it somewhere else. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, nah, you don't understand. <laughs> you don't get it. <laughs> I know. So like that's definitely one of my favorite. You know, feeling myself, Mac Dry is a big one. Mm -hmm. One of my favorites. It's just, you know, it, it's, it's a different vibe. I, I loved growing up in it, going to like, I like can't imagine what like other schools like high school dances were like and stuff <laughs> because yeah, I grew up in an, a nice area in San Jose, but you know, going to public school, you know, you get all the culture in there. It was in like a very diverse area in San Jose. So it was it was really nice to always see like the different sides of everyone and the different cultures and you know, you would go and do things and I think just even like going out in downtown San Jose, like you really see the difference and like going out in other places. Um, so yeah, I, I, I loved it. I still love all my Bay Area music and I still listen to it and being back home is always great. Yeah. Is that what you, is that your go-to like um, hyphy music before games, like your pre-music, your playlist, is it all Bay Area? Yeah, it definitely, mm. it definitely <laughs> encompasses a lot of that. I don't listen to hype music as much before games now just because 
I just get like really anxious before a game. So yeah. when I do listen to like my hype music, it's it's hard. So I try and keep it like earlier in the day. I'll do that, and then when I'm actually like getting to the stadium, getting ready, it's more like very calm music, which I know is different. And then yeah. So what is that pregame music looking like? Um, I'd say it's more like Khalid vibes, just like very soft, very like something that brings my heart rate down, just like kind of chills me out more than anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Keeps me not thinking too much about it and gets my heart rate too high. It's just something that, yeah, Khalid's definitely like a big one and like along those lines of just chill music, Mm -hmm. not too much to it. Yeah, I feel that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So um, now, I mean, sticking with the the, the Bay Area, with with the uh, NWSL club coming to uh, to the Bay Area, Oakland Soul uh, was in in their inaugural season. Now they're joining the USL Super League uh, that that's coming up in uh, I think next year. Uh, mm-hmm. What what what's your take on just like the whole kind of movement in in a so- when it comes to soccer in in the Bay? I'm so excited for the Bay Area to get a team. I think it needs a team. I grew up in, you know, the time frame of, you know, the San Jose Cyber Rays back in the WUSA League. So, like, I, that's, like, what I, obviously, was super young for that, but that's what I remember for professional soccer when I was super young. And that was actually one of the main reasons why I told myself that I wanted to play professional soccer. I was so young, but I was, like, enamored with the fact that you could play professionally um so that was like a a big reason you know and I loved watching them and I'm so I'm really excited for the Bay Area to get a team I think they need one I think women's soccer and soccer in general in the Bay um is just it's grown so much and it's always been a massive area um especially for you know, women's soccer, you have Stanford, you have Cal, like you have these amazing soccer programs around it. I think it's, you know, it's only going to grow more and more. And I cannot wait to watch that stadium fill up for a Bay Area team. I think it's amazing. And I'm super happy that they're getting a team. Would you would you like to potentially have the opportunity to be in that Bay Area team? Yeah, at some point um, in my career. She's just getting settled into Portland. Like, come on. Like, hey, you know. I was like, I, I, I'm happy. I'm happy in Portland, and I love it here. Um, but at some point in my career, um, I would, I would love to to be in front of my home crowd at some point. Um, it, I mean, it's. I feel like it's a dream of most players, especially when they get a team. It's you know, just even go back there for you know a couple of games to play in front of them will be amazing so mm-hmm. i'm very excited that they have a team yeah yeah for now you're you know repping the bay in portland so we'll take I that <laughs> well i will continue to do that yeah <laughs> all right tegan we're uh, we're running out of time here um but uh this was this was so much fun um you know we really appreciate you taking the time to, to share everything you did with us and you know just to talk with us in general um uh so we're, we're going to be watching you. We're going to continue, you know, uh, uh, keeping up with you. We, we do this with, with all of the guests that we have. Um, it's, I don't want to put this on you right now, but we've, every no. guest that's come on the show, it's almost like for over a year now 
has you know has done something you know whether it's scoring a goal, making the professional debut, uh, you know doing some crazy assists. Like we call it the urban pitch boost. So we're we're throwing those vibes your way. Thank um, you. And you know we'll, we'll we'll continue. And and if you do something, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say we're gonna take credit, but we're gonna for sure you know uh, th- put that out. We're there gonna and, be watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Please do. Uh, yeah. I need all the good vibes. <laughs> yep. All the good vibes to you. All the positive energy. Keep doing your <laughs> thing. You. We'll be rooting for you and. Thank you for just taking the time to sit with us and hang out and conversate. No, thank you so much for listening and it was a great conversation. I enjoyed it. Hey, and shout out to Gus. I'm so glad we got to meet him because I saw (laughs) on your Instagram and I was like, oh my gosh, I love this dog. He's a, he definitely loves the camera. So I'm not surprised that he decided to make an appearance. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, Tegan, thank you so much for for joining us. This has been the Urban Pitch Podcast, the beautiful game of life, part of the Believe Network. For Tegan McGrady, Julio Montarosa, Bridget Flores, I'm Ramsey Abushala. We'll catch you all next time. We're out of here for now. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.